ghouls. Son of a bitch. What are you talking about? You know, now? Funny little green ghouls. Got... What? What? Like in movies and cartoons? What? Are... Oh, green ghouls, buddy. Don't write ghouls. I'm not. Hey, everybody. This is Area Two One Five. I'm Sam Money Moss. I'm Batman. I'm Aaron. So we were planning this episode uh, before a travesty occurred in Philadelphia, and we wanted to uh, say a few things. So recently in Philadelphia, there was an event involving the Philadelphia Police Department. They brutally murdered uh, Walter Wallace Jr. in front of his mother outside of his home own home. And uh, we just wanted to say some stuff. So Walter Wallace Jr. was a mentally different person who was failed by society in the rehabilitation services and institutions of Philadelphia and by extension the country as a whole. A lot of these injustices were based on social, physical, and mental differences. Seemed like they were existed so far in the past, but we want to keep it in the front of people's minds that these events still occur today. Instead of placing people with mental and physical differences beside behind walls to be largely ignored by society... Their needs are being ignored in broad daylight in their homes and in the street. The amount of socially and mentally different individuals and their families who live in fear for their own bodies and the bodies of their loved ones is staggering. If you or someone you know is in need of a mental, of mental, emotional, or social assistance, please visit our Instagram where we will be posting numbers and services in the Philadelphia area. We take this seriously and we will only provide numbers that we have found to be actually beneficial to those in need. With that being said, this episode contains some very difficult information, including but not limited to child abuse and neglect, violence against women, rape and sexual assault. Additionally, some of the language used in this episode is not the language of the host, but has been utilized for historical accuracy. Listener discretion is advised. Yeah. So this episode's kind of heavy. Um, I thought it was going to be fun trying to research Philadelphia's mental institutions and talking about weird, creepy hauntings and stuff like that. Instead, we figured out that it's just a lot of sad and hate that basically causes weird paranormal shit. That being said, uh, I think we're all feeling a little weird today, uh, a little nervous, but we got some good stuff for you guys. No, well, not good stuff, but a lot of content. Some stuff. Yes, yeah, where you you're gonna find out. We do want to say that we didn't think it was right to create a drink for this episode, which means next time we will be bringing you a couple special things. Um, but for now, we're just drinking some shitty beer because this makes us feel shitty. We're also wearing really goofy hats because we're <laughs> all very sad and we just thought that might be a little bit uplifting for us during this. Yeah, with everything that's going on, this episode is just a little nerve wracking just because it's sad. I mean, you know... Some of this stuff sounds like it happened forever ago, yet it really hasn't ever been fixed, and it's really not that long ago. But, so we're trying to like feel a little bit better by being weird. Yeah, I mean, it seems like this would be stuff that was happening like you know during like World War II and like long, long times ago. But a, a lot of these places that we're going to discuss uh, existed until we were all alive. Um, like it happened in our lifetime and we're all under 30. Totally. And also like there's so many people that survive those things that are still around kicking it now. For sure. And they're not that old. Yeah. Well, some of Philadelphia's homeless population is because a lot of these mental institutions shut down. Right. And they had nowhere else to go. So they were like, well, 
yeah, in the street. There is a whole process of deinstitutionalization that happened throughout um, the U.S. Uh, through the 20th century. Um, it was actually insane. A lot of it happened because of like leaking that there was like overcrowding and that there was, you know, a lack of sanitation and hygiene um, wasn't being kept up with. And then a lot the of these places just straight up abused their patients. And once that started getting out into the public, people all of a sudden realized that they had forgotten about a huge portion of the population just because they were up the street or up the hill. Um, and that was like considered the right thing to do at the mm-hmm. time was if your kid was physically different, um, if you couldn't provide for them, you just like shipped them upstate. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these places were framed as state schools and hospitals and that was part of the problem like you hear the word school okay cool this person's going to take care of my child who i can't provide for and honestly i don't want to because it seems like kind of a pain in the ass ship them up state and they you just think that something good is happening for these kids or at least they're getting some sort of care because a lot of these um institutions start when you're a child or That's what that's also what I was gonna say. These are like during time periods where, uh, you know, I mean, it's still not by us, but by a lot of people in society, um, abortions were frowned upon and were less common. So people would birth kids and be like, all right, like you said, can't take care of you. Um, They'll be fine. Yeah. So um, the way that deinstitutionalization actually sort of happened was. It was on the federal government to provide for people with these differences. Um, but then it got pushed onto the state because there was a lot of funding that was taken out. And then it got placed back into the federal government. But the government was like, we're not giving like money to anywhere. So all these places were just like losing money. There were too many patients. There was not enough staff. They couldn't provide for people. Um, and no one wanted to give them the amount of money that they needed because in a lot Mm -hmm. of cases it was a shitload of money like to provide for somebody with like incredible handicap is well even the people that were not incredibly handicapped there were so many things that were understood at the time if you were depressed if you had adhd if you were an alcoholic you're on the spectrum there's yeah if you're autistic there's so many different reasons that are like things that are a little better understood today but they were just like you're weird go here yeah and like because of the fact that they weren't getting enough funding and stuff there was this idea of like a total institutionalization which meant that um the services the the institution served as like a ritual function where everybody was either a guard or a captor and then the people who were being medicalized um and it was everybody was placed in a spot where they were stuck like the doctors couldn't get out because they had like the necessity to help these patients. There weren't enough doctors, so they didn't feel as though they could leave. Same with nurses. Same with if they did have teachers in these um, places. But a lot of it was just that they all felt trapped in this space because there was nothing that could be provided for them except for bodies. Yep. Yeah. So a lot of them were attempting to figure out the basic nature of the learning process. But when you look at how science has, or at least the science of mental, um, mental workings and the way like the brain functions, uh, it wasn't there. We had like no idea. A lot of it was found through experimentation. And at this, this time they were learning about drugs like Thorazine, 
and lithium. I mean, they both came at different times. Thorazine came about in like 54 and lithium wasn't around till like the 70s. Right. But during that whole time, they're just poking and prodding at people's brains, either with chemicals or fucking ice picks. Yeah. Well, also, uh, I mean, from some of the stuff that I did, they would give them an insane amount of like Thorazine and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like n- enough that like, you know, one person shouldn't have. No, right. not, not at all. And and of course, eventually a, a lecture shock. Yeah. Actually, my um, I had an extended cousin who got electroshock <gasps> recently, really? like what? since I've been alive. No way. Yeah, they changed the way that they do it, and it's only in extreme cases. Um, I forget what happened with him, but yeah, someone when I was like younger, I told like my mom had told me she's like, yeah, your cousin oh got some God. electroshock, and I was like, holy fucking shit, that's insane. I don't understand. I, maybe I don't understand what electroshock therapy was supposed to do. So the fact that it's still being used is like kind of really wild to me because I still just don't really. I don't get it either. You're I, frying someone's brain. I always thought it was the process of like severing like neural connections. It's like the same idea as like a lobotomy. I always thought but I could be wrong. Like I have no idea, but I just thought it was the idea of like severing specific connections in your brain to make you more quote unquote docile. Well, um, I mean, weirdly enough, changing chemical. Yeah. yeah. Like, weirdly yeah. enough, a lot of the, the institutions and stuff like that, that we researched doesn't really have, like you guys didn't have a lot of like lobotomies and they're mentioned. Um, but I, I tried to, I don't know, come up with some other facts, too. Okay. but So I will say that they're in... I, I did a lot of looking into Pennhurst State Hospital, and um, there was a lot of shady shit that got erased from there that mm-hmm. it's really hard to find evidence of whether or not they were lobotomizing or shocking people. Um, but they do have, like, you know, the dark rooms, like the rooms that all the patients know. If you go down there, something bad happens. Yeah. And a lot of that indicates something along the lines of like extreme experiment experimentation that is based in changing the like the neurological connections in your brain. Absolutely. No, no. Dixmont gets pretty dark, too. Oh, my God. Uh, I did Byberry Hospital, which uh, Byberry is like the nickname for it. So technically it's Philadelphia State Hospital. Um, it was one of PA's largest hospitals, but it was also known as the Mental Hospital of Horrors. I don't know how many Northeast listeners we have out there. Northeast Philadelphia listen- listeners, sorry. I grew up nearby Barry. I remember it being an abandoned building when I was a kid and people going there. Um, I remember hearing talks of like satanic rituals that were being held there. Like, you know, just the whole thing with like a creepy you know, a hospital in the woods, which I don't know there. Most of it's knocked down, but there are still some uh, parts of the building there. So if anybody wants to go look, Byberry hospital is located on Roosevelt Boulevard and Southampton road. <laughs> yeah. if anyone wants to go do some satanic rituals. Yeah. I mean, you can't get inside anymore. Um, That's what she said. Yeah. In Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, for a second, I thought you meant she said, if anyone wants to go do some satanic rituals. And I was like, who is she? She sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> well, so uh, the buildings that are still standing, they are trying so hard to keep people out, like to the point where 
the boards that are in the the windows and stuff like that have nails sticking out on oh. the opposite side of them so you can't kick them in and if you do you you're get gonna like get you're going to get up. yeah you're going to get gonna fucked get up tetanus yeah tetanus entirely tetanus Ugh. for sure uh i that sounded facetious it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> um all right so Byberry State Hospital uh, started originally around 1903 as a working farm for mentally unstable patients. Around 1907, it grew pretty fast to the point where they couldn't staff it. Um, So that led to staffing underqualified individuals. Basically, do you need a job? You want to work at this hospital? Cool. That seems to be a pattern throughout most of these hospitals. Yeah. Like, just severely undertrained, un- undereducated people who are supposed to take care of thousands of patients. Also, like, people, like, I, I have in some of my notes, like, at one point they stopped paying them and they were just strictly volunteers. So that's why you got some, like, super sketchy people at times. Well, so yeah. even with some of my stuff, they have war vets, like, as, like, clerks and yeah. like you know working in these hospitals where technically the these war vets should be some of the people that are treated because they have horrible ptsd right and that like actually comes out in some of my byberry notes so like i have a weird timeline it's a little ass backwards sometimes but i just wrote 1920s hard abuse hard so or hard Horrid. I also wrote it weird so it looks like it says horned abuse and i'm like fuck, i don't dude. know what that means uh, 1936, the hospital was turned over to the state, and uh, that was renamed Philadelphia State Hospital at Byberry. The po- or the hospital was no. The reason why it was turned over to the state is because they started hearing about all of the like inhumane conditions and like patient abuse and all this other stuff. There, around like 1945, there was national attention for Byberry Hospital. Um, hell yes, hell yeah, brother. Got that silver bullet, baby. Yeah, I do want to point out this is the first time I've ever drank a Coors Light because I like werewolves, so I don't drink Silver Bullets. I've never heard it called a Silver Bullet before. And I don't now, know. My dad calls it a Silver Bullet. I, and he's I like the most it. dad dad there is. True. My dad has to fight your dad. <laughs> my dad won't. My dad's on house arrest, so he can't fight anybody. I don't think your dad <laughs> would win the grill off either. My dad has two smoker grills, bitch. It's on. Right, um, well, so... Uh, dad built. Never mind. We are we dadding it up because we're all wearing dad hats right now. I was now. just about to say that. anyway. Back. To My you. hat says "hooking on the weekends" with a bunch of fish hooks on it underneath. It's That's very there. dad actually. Yeah. Can't wait to go fishing. <laughs> all right, fishing for national attention. Uh, in 1945, a bunch of photographs leaked, um, and they were actually published in uh, Life magazine. And this caused mass uproar. People were saying that a lot of these pictures looked like pictures of uh, concentration camps. The way that these people looked. um, Half of them apparently ran around naked most of the times. And the floor was just always covered in a thin layer of piss. Mm. So in 1960, they began downsizing, which eventually would lead to the closure but the closure didn't happen until like another 20 some years like after well the closure wait the closure happened 20 some years after 45 so in 1960 they downsized and the downsizing is what eventually led to it being closed 
but it still didn't close for another like 20 years after 1960. Yeah, so I just want to say that that's like crazy because of the way it doesn't line up with what happened with Pennhurst. There is a documentary that I'll bring up later that came out in 68. Mm-hmm. That was what got national attention. So that means there was like 20 years between those two. Oh my God, we're treating these people so badly. Yeah. Before, and then an extra 20 years on top of that for people to actually realize, like, we got to do some shit about this. Well, so I think one of the reasons why Byberry got pretty, like, holy fuck, we need to do something is because I, I, I didn't write it down because I was like, that's stupid. I don't need to remember that. Um, but it was during the time frame, one of the first ladies uh, was really big. It's like on the tip of my tongue, her name, and I can't think of it. She was like really big into like mental health and. You talking about the Kennedys? Yeah, because all right, so JFK actually had a sister who was severely mentally disabled. Um, the story behind it is actually fucking crazy. Her mom got pregnant. You know, was about to give birth. There was only a nurse in the room. The nurse was like, "Yo, I have to wait for a doctor. I'm not legally allowed to give birth to a baby unless the doctor's in a room because I'm a woman." Okay. So the nurse literally held Rosemary in her mother's uh, womb for two hours until this doctor showed up. So she was born severely mentally disabled. And um, she was literally put away by the family because, you know, at that point, the Kennedys were already political royalty. Yeah. So she was put away by the rest of the family. They did this thing where they would, like, send money so she could go on car rides and stuff, but they lobotomized her. Holy fuck. Um, Kennedy found out about it two weeks after he was inaugurated. Um, And then for the rest of his time, for the rest of his, like, time on this earth, he, like, kind of spent a lot of time looking into different ways to, like, help people that are like stuck in this situation um he actually signed the community mental health act in 63 which pushed the responsibility of the of mentally ill patients onto the federal government the problem was right after he got shot all that legislation was repealed and reagan came in okay so i did just look it up because kennedy didn't sound um right it was roosevelt eleanor roosevelt Oh, okay. All right. But that's still actually, I did not know any of that. And I'm glad you just went into that. Yeah. But go on, Sam. So I think that's one of the reasons why it started to get like, holy fuck, we need to shut this down because it had like presidential like attention and like everybody loved like Eleanor Roosevelt, didn't they? Weren't they like, love her? Yeah, they were like, oh, she cool. I don't know. I I probably am very wrong, but whatever. So like, (laughs) uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I think that's one of the reasons why they were like, ah, knock this down, shut it down. But it still took like 20-some years before closure was a thing. Mid-1980s, it was leaked that there was violent criminals, um, because that was the other thing. Not just mental, you know, mentally unstable people were sent here. There was a lot of criminals that were sent there. Basically being like, instead of life in prison... Over, yeah. You spend your time at like Byberry because technically you're also unstable. But like, did you run into a lot of um, insanity? Please, is that why they ended up there? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's why there was a lot of like criminals there. But they also like didn't care. So they're like, ah, eh, whatever. You want to like plead fucking insanity? Like you can just go to Byberry. Okay. So people, um, I guess, got a little peeved that. Uh, there were like violent, violent criminals were being kept in forensic wards. I also have written down like patient abuse was still rampant. 
1985, they failed a state inspection. Apparently, they were accused of misleading the inspection team. So basically, they were trying to cheat yeah, to like, pass an inspection. A lot of the places that I or like had seen or have heard about in the past did these things where they showed certain parts of the hospital. Like they'd have one, like they'd have one common room that was like kept relatively yeah. clean for when people started coming in. Because at a certain point, a lot of these places were worried about those inspections. They were like a very regular thing. Yeah, but it was like a couple social workers coming out, like "What's up? It's three o'clock. I'm trying to go home by five, Like, which is understandable. And if you do that work, you're amazing. And like, please be nice to your people. But yeah, it was a lot of people who were just like, "We don't want to be here as much as you don't want us here." Let's get this done and get out. Yeah. 1987, there was another evaluation which ended up um, leading to five hospital officials being fired, leaving them, you know, more understaffed. December 1987, there was a press conference to close, you know, again, like they wanted to talk about closing again, uh, which What's this that sound like what? Never mind, it was a COVID joke. Oh, oh, yeah, let's talk about it again. Because again. America doesn't know how to put a mask on and stay at home. Sorry. So there was actually a couple patient issues this time, which delayed the closure a little bit more. Basically, two patients um, were released a day apart, but then they both ended up being found dead in the Delaware River. So that was something that they had to deal with before closing, which you think it would just be like, everybody out, get out. Right. Especially since that was the pattern of it. It was literally everywhere else was like, all right, everyone out. See you later. Yeah. So uh, June 1990, it was officially closed. The remaining staff and patients were apparently transferred to Norristown State Hospital or other like local community centers. They say. I don't know how much I really believed that. 1990 to 2006, Byberry was eventually knocked down. Then Byberry's history started to blow up from urban explorers, stuff like that. Like, that's where, like, all the, like, Satanist rituals and stuff apparently were happening because they found a bunch of dead animals. 2003, the hospital was in complete ruin. Anything that could be scrapped was scrapped. June 14th, 2006, it was officially knocked down. They were supposed to build something on top of it, but they didn't. I want to go through a little bit of the conditions that I found. There was obviously patients outweighed the working staff. At one part... It was in 1960, there was 50 buildings, 7,000 patients, and only 800 staff. The staff also treated the patients awfully. There was a point in time where if you were an unruly patient or they didn't want to deal with you, they would literally tie your arms and legs to bedposts and you would be there for however long they wanted to leave you there. I read a case about a kid being left there for about two months. At least 57 deaths were attributed to patient neglect, and that's just at least the reported deaths. Right. High-functioning residents had an open-door policy, which made it easier for other patients to escape, which they did, and innocently, they would just be found on somebody's front lawn. But not everybody was that lucky. Uh, A lot of times, these... Patients committed suicide or died from exposure because sometimes they would leave when it was like fucking freezing cold and then couldn't get back in. Well, um, if you think about like the nutritional state yeah. of these people that are leaving these facilities, they're not exactly like in rocky shape. Oh yeah. Like, did I have to do? Did I have to say rocky? Because we're from Philly. You all know how I feel about rocky. <laughs> And I'm just gonna. My leave. sister thought Rocky was real 
fuck her. <laughs> I have Wait, Rocky really? Balboa and Ben Franklin tattooed on my legs making uh, out. So like we all know I love Rocky. Yeah. He's there he is. There <laughs> There's a picture of him on the wall. <laughs> He's at least in every room of I love my it. house. I'm pathetic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the colder months, sometimes people would die from exposure. I also read a story about how there was a patient that went missing for about five months, didn't know where he was or anything like that. They eventually found his horribly decomposing body in the bushes when they started doing like, you know. He was right outside the facility? Yeah. He was just like right there. He was there. He was dead in weeds and bushes and stuff like that. And nobody found him until five months later. Fucking Christ. Byberry was like not really cool. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> in uh, 1946, they people developed something called the water cure, which was basically soaking a wet towel and strangling patients near death because it left no marks, but it shut the patient up for a certain period of time. So orderlies were careful to not use fists or anything that was going to leave bruising. So that's why the water cure helped shut patients up for a little bit. Apparently, I was reading that the medicine was some of the most excruciating abuse uh, done on the patients. Doctors would pull teeth with no Novocaine. Procedures were done without painkillers, even something as small as stitches. Like, they wouldn't try to numb the area first. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have enough money to feed people properly, you probably don't have enough money for antiseptic. Yeah, it's probably trained to. Yeah, like... In 1970, there was a doctor that said people with schizophrenia feel no pain. So that was like the leading thought process for people that were schizophrenic for a while. So, so those... they just did this thinking yeah. that that guy was right, not because they didn't have access to it. Well, it, I think it was a little of like know. just, the, yeah, like obviously they didn't have like access to certain things, but it was like nobody cared. So people wanted to just take his ideology and just be like, yeah, yeah, Easier. that's right. Easier. It's because it is technically like. I mean, it's awful, but, like, if you treat somebody with schizophrenia as they feel no pain, you could literally do whatever you want to them if you have, if you're a sociopath. Yeah, if you you separate them from humanity like that, it becomes easier to abuse something. So we talked about, like, Thorazine and stuff like that. It was seen as a miracle drug because it was, like, a way to, like, I guess pull, you know, like calm some people down, but they didn't use it appropriately. It was, they overused it. Byberry used Thorazine so much to the point where like the pharmacies around the area set up a shop in the hospital. Just, you know, popped shop. There's a whole bunch of drug reps in there. Like, what's up, guys? Patients were tricked into volunteering for drug trials. So that's one of the reasons why like the pharmacy like set up shop because they're like we're just going to experiment on these people that can't feel pain in 19 also, we don't need to ask consent yeah like, yeah they don't because you like signed your life away yeah, or whatever stripped of everything yeah that was part of what cut half this shit shut down they were like this is completely unconstitutional you are taking away every right that these people have yeah well that but was the thing that. they thought that since you can't function in their eyes in society then you don't deserve the rights of society. Yeah, if you want to like directive related to concentration camps, like Sam said before, it's or, exactly what or it is. Like These you're people saying, are fucking fifty-seven mangolas in one building. Yeah, like, exactly. Or just like you were saying that they just if you really separate someone that much from humanity in your true mind and eyes, then why would they have rights? Yeah, that's what also are you doing wrong. It's it's just like those, you know piece of shit people who are racist and they dehumanize people yeah 
yeah, as a that's justification the- for their fucking thoughts that are just wrong. They're just wrong. In 1919, we're going to go back a little bit because I think I was talking about 1970 last time. There were two orderlies who strangled a patient to the point of his eyeballs popping out of his skull. Wow. They blamed their actions on PTSD from World War I, which they had served in. And because of that, they were kept on staff and not only stayed working there, they actually got a higher pay rate. So... Hey, you strangle like, somebody? Like cops to... or priests or something? Like... <laughs> Again, reoccurring theme in modern time. Byberry was just uh, kind of a really fucked up place. There was really no, nothing good that came out of here. Like, I was watching some documentaries and, like, there's one from, like, the 80s where it's, like, a mother talking about how uh, a therapist had suggested that their son went to Byberry. And apparently, like, the dad was like, hell fucking no. That's how I lose my son. Like, people did not make it out of Byberry okay. They even had a couple, like, old patients on there. And they were like, I'm fucked up because of Byberry. Right. Um, And it was basically just, like, people beating the shit out of people that they thought were less than them. Or, like, less important than them. I understand that the staff probably was not paid appropriately. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you can just go around and fucking beat up on patients. Right. Like... I don't know. This one story happened in 1987. Like, 1987, that wasn't really that long ago. No. A female patient's body was found raped and killed. The staff eventually found her body when they found other uh, patients playing with her teeth and other body parts. They found patients gambling with teeth or, like, using them as, like, jewelry or, like, playing with other parts of her body. And that's when they eventually found her. Like had no idea that this woman died and also the way that she died a lot of there was a lot of like patient on patient crime too not just like orderly stuff but it was just because they didn't even have enough time to like figure out what to do with patients like so patients were the ones who ended up beating and like murdering that woman i don't know byberry was fucked up i just remember it was like a place that people went when i was a kid to go and explore and try to find like Ookie spooky stuff. So did you find anything about ookie spooky stuff? I didn't find too much on ookie spooky stuff other than, you know, I had posted something up a couple months ago where I was like, hey, give me your like Byberry horror stories. And, you know, I I got some people just being like, oh, yeah, I have some weird stuff that happened. And I'm like, explain. And they're like, it was weird. And I'm like, cool, whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, we did, we did have a. I think just because, like, the content of this episode, like, what we were looking for became very hard to find because there's so much abuse in these places that that's the thing that comes out. And people just go, I got scared when I was there because I felt something weird. But there's no, there's very little, like, physical evidence of, like, weird paranormal shit Um. happening. Except, like, some of the places that you found, for sure, but these bigger name places were definitely, like, weirdly covered up by, like, the paranormal shit got covered by the horrid abuse. Sure, exactly. And that's what I was going to say. Like, I do, like, definitely have in, in my notes some oogie spooky stuff. Um, mm. But just like you guys, like, that wasn't my main focus for, for mine. Um, but I'll, I'll definitely touch on those. Um, well, one thing I wanted to quicken add is, like, yeah, like, I wanted to do this episode because I wanted to find, like ghost stories honestly and instead of finding paranormal ghost stories we ended up finding like real life ghost stories like yeah. real life horror stories 
And I think that's another reason why people do get like kind of sketched out going to places like this, because you know about like the horrible abuse that people went through. So it's like the air already feels heavy when you're in these buildings. Like, well, it's creepy. Consider the fact that, you know, one of these places, Penhurst State Hospital, is now a haunted attraction referred to as Penhurst Asylum, which is an incorrect nomenclature. I actually. That's like the big part that I have a problem with is that it wasn't an asylum, um, which a lot of people have that problem, but we'll move past it. When people go into these places for private ghost tours and even just to be part of the attraction, they have a hard time separating what's paranormal and what's staged. Well, also in Penhurst, it's like mocking, you know, like so I would understand if you went there not for the attraction on a different day and you felt a disturbance because if I was dead and was uh, a mentally ill treated patient the way that these people were and then people thought to make it a joke basically I would be very angry I will say I do have some I do have a lot a couple like good friends that worked at at the uh, haunted attraction for a while and there is it's it's very obvious that the people who, and I'm probably going to get shit for this, the people who created this attraction were just trying to preserve the space. Um, there was a lot of up in the air about what they were going to do with the land, and to they were able to make it a historical site that did get protections from Pennsylvania and the Pennsylvania Historical Society, but I agree with you where I don't necessarily know if that was the way to do it. Even if, like, look, uh, I know, like, I'll touch base on this very lightly, but when I was in California, I I went to the Whaley House, which is a haunted museum now. But even if they did it more like that, like without the actors dressed up as like mental patients, I think would have been a better way to do it. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of like clown activity and slasher elements and like like shit like that that makes it like a legit haunted house but then you get to the things that are they're in every haunted house every room has that one patient that stands in the corner and touches their head and looks at you all weird well so i think that's definitely a thing too it's like uh mental institutions were demonized because of places like this like you didn't want to get sent there like because it's the crazy house and like look at all the horror movies that are based up Mm -hmm. like around mental institutions like they never make like hearing the like oh you're gonna get sent upstate or like oh you're ge- you're getting sent away is like a threat it's like it's yeah it's a huge threat it's not we're helping you but that's how they frame it yeah right um well should we go into penhurst then yeah i do want to quicken add um i definitely think that byberry has the potential to be a haunted spot all of these places have the potential to be haunted things even if we didn't find a lot of like paranormal stuff like we'd hoped you got to think about like the energy of these places like how fucked up like what fucked up things happened here like you know that's going to be left behind causing disturbance and unrest yeah and i will say that i think i think you're very right that these places do have to obviously have something going on there um but i think it's much different than the traditional hauntings that a lot of people expect I think that the energy in this place manifested very specific types of quote unquote ghosts. Yeah. Um, that we will get into different like types of ghosts. And I think 
that that will lend to this like well it was just scary not yeah. i saw a girl in a corner though there is some of that they looked at me gave me a little airplane someone threw a lamp across the room like a lot of <laughs> that, a lot of that it's like it's a little bit different than a lot of that um but yeah yeah i think you're right sam i think a lot of this is just hard to nail down and i think batman had some some stuff that got nailed down which was cool you found some really cool stuff but. yeah um, i love that that hat's still like balancing looking thank you i'm really trying with the strap it on. Just- <laughs> <laughs> all right so um let's talk about pen uh penhurst so originally named eastern state Pen- eastern pennsylvania state institution for the feeble-minded and epileptic and holy shit is that a name yeah um the first time i i didn't know the full name of it yeah, and i either. read it and it like shot me in the heart like that everybody was just like okay that's fine it's a great name that's my next band name yeah like holy shit you want to hear a good fucking album name founded on the principles of segregation and eugenics that's the first album that's the first album i'm um, shaking my head there's no yeah, audio so, for that <laughs> so you know penhurst was open during a time where eugenics was like super fucking popular um people really thought this idea was like legit they thought if you were a syphilitic moron which i'm i actually don't think that's a thing i should be saying they're like okay cool we're just gonna like snip your balls make sure like you don't read like it's bad and then you know obviously that i don't know if people know this margaret sanger was the mother of eugenics and her ideas were taken by the Nazis. And a lot of these hospitals and institutions were built on these practices. So it was built in two parts, which it didn't actually like stay in two parts, but Penhurst had an education and industrial development department side, and then a custodial slash asylum department, which like, holy shit, the way they split that up is insane. The first patient was admitted November 23rd, 1908, and within four years, it was overcrowded with immigrants, orphans, criminals, and everybody who it was, like, originally meant to house, which were just uh, mentally and physically disabled individuals. So they classified residents in super weird ways, but at the time, it did make sense. It was either you're an imbecile or you're insane, you're epileptic or healthy, you are in good or good dental or poor dental um state which the fact that they did something with the idea that like your teeth lend to your mental state is actually like super forward thinking it's a thing that we now understand a lot more but it was more about whether or not these people had their teeth removed because they also removed teeth at Pennhurst. teeth is like a thing throughout all of the stuff that we've done like or so like today brutal. It's weird, though. Like, I wonder what it is about, like, teeth. Like, even just, like, you know, the story that I had where, like, the patients had ripped out somebody else's teeth. Like, well, or just just because this happened at Penhurst and we're on the subject of teeth, um, they did have a couple of buildings of, like, actual children. Like, I know that in your notes, too, you found that they were all referred to as children, but actual kids. If one bit another one, as kids do, they removed all of their teeth. So it was like one of those things where they're like, we warn you, kid. And then the next time they rip your teeth out, like you get like one or two warnings and then they remove all of your teeth. And I think that's part of what they why they classified people this way. I also think they use the process of pulling teeth as a torture method because you can still live without teeth. Yeah. 
you might bleed out if they start cutting off weird parts of your body. Like it's like intense excruciating pain and like some really intense nerves go into your mouth. And also you're never allowed to eat food again. Not that they were fed good food, but I'm sure even the food that they could chew is probably better than Oh, Penhurst had that covered. Don't worry about it. Okay. They blended up all your food and then put food dye in it to make it look better. What color? Uh, it was still brown. Oh, okay. So they just made it browner by adding more colors? Yeah, it? different browns. Oh, okay. um, but yeah, um, if, you, if you do end up watching Suffer the Children, which is the, it's a five-part uh, news report series put out by NBC10 by this guy named Bill Baldini. Um, yeah, it's called Suffer the Children, and it was the expose that was released in 1968 that showed the horrors of the inside of this plane. At the end of it, they released 28,000 people. During this time, they were rotating about 10,000 residents at a time, if not. There were nine MDs, two psychiatrists, and 11 teachers. None of them had special education training. So a lot of the sanitation issues were based on the fact that, like, so a lot of these people were severely disabled either going in there or they became so because they were so severely neglected and locked into these like horrifying uh like cribs they were literally padlocked into them and then you have you know denigration of muscles and shit half these people that could walk going in could not walk leaving the head md was this guy jesse fear batman how do you feel about that name oh yeah dr fear Awful, awful. Um, Not gonna lie, really cool name for an awful person. But I wish my yeah, if it was a fucking comic book. Villain. So yeah, but like it's I, so appropriate. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like that's in, like, do you think that guy woke up and he's like, or was born and was like, I'm gonna be a fucking dick. Yeah, it's like if a plastic surgeon was I'm, like woke up and was like, my name's Ronald Tintmaker. I'm doing this. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just imagine him starting out like a Sid from Toy Story, but continue. Oh, just no, immediately just blowing shit. up shit yeah, just in his backyard. Because mm-hmm. right. he has the name Fear. It's like almost like manifesting it. Like, sure. they tell you not to name your kid like Damien. Dick. Why do people... Uh, never but... Here's my public service announcement. You don't have to give your kid your last name. Just a little... Just throwing that out there into the world. His parents chose to name him Jesse Fear. That's such a cool name. That sounds like, <laughs> that sounds like a fucking wrestler. I like, yeah, I mean, my friend love that. My friend named his kid Dante, and I don't want to say the kid's full name on the That's internet, fair. but uh, it's definitely the coolest name in the world. And Dave, if you're listening to this, I love you and your son. It sucks that like bad people have such cool names. But sorry about that. Let's get off the okay. name. Well, let's talk about the badness of this man. Yeah, okay. appropriately named and go. So not only did he remove the teeth of victims. That he deemed, oh Jesus, I straight up wrote victims. I probably should have written patients, but that's way more accurate of uh, patients that were deemed as biters. He also gave, quote, the most painful injections that wouldn't do anything to harm the patients except hurt them. Um, So he would, in times of heightened stress and reaction from patients, he would just pump them full of the shit that just hurt your entire higher body and it was the biggest needle they could find the most that the patients could take without passing out and they also did this thing that was referred to as a process of downgrading it was constructed to offend the dignity of the patients with behavioral issues by placing patients with normal or marginally subnormal iqs because that's what all of this is based off of 
in wards specifically designed for those with severe mental differences. It essentially humbled them into submission by way of developmental regression. So yeah, if you were uh, relatively normal and you spoke up or said something that they didn't want you to say or do, uh, they would throw you in a room of people who were far more... I don't even know what to, like how to Unstable. say Unstable. Yeah, like far different than yeah. you. Like that had some... They might like, not like have been able to talk or walk or they yeah. may spend their entire day screaming or like reacting. Differently functioning, like like depending on like where their mental stability is. Yeah, what's considered like, severely subnormal. Uh, but the one good thing... Not good thing. The one thing that they did do that they were renowned for was help for the blind. They did do a lot of help for people who could not see and were visually impaired. We tortured everybody, but we at least care about blind people. Yeah. They created an incredible rehabilitation system for uh, visually impaired people, which was crazy. I mean, that's cool. It just doesn't erase all of the really fucked up shit. Yeah. You want to hear some fucked up shit? Yeah, let's do it. Teeth brushing programs. What do you know about them? They literally remove the teeth from, you know, hundreds of patients a year. And then part of the daily thing that they did, the one thing that they made sure they did was brush their gums, which I think is like, I understand that it's linked to like primary hygiene, but the idea that you're going to remove teeth from the heads of hundreds of individuals and then force them to do gum brushing. Yeah. And and like, think about. I just, I don't know. That part just made my like skin of, crawl. Yeah, no, I, I hate teeth shit. I hate gum shit. I hate fucking bullet. Yeah. Um, and then just two other things about Penhurst outside of hauntings was in Suffer the Children is one of the saddest scenes I think I've ever watched. They're interviewing this child and the way they're interviewing some of these patients is actually really aggressive and I don't really agree with the interview style. But at one point they're talking to this kid and they're like, does anyone visit you? And he's like, no. And obviously it takes this child like a little bit to respond because they don't speak much. But he is one of the more advanced children in Penhurst. They ask him whether or not his mom visits him. He says no. His dad visits him. He says no. If anybody cares about him, he says no. And then they said they asked him who he would want to come visit him. And he like kind of looks down for a second and looks up. He's like, anybody? Oh. yeah and you know the interviewer's like yeah anybody who would you want to come visit you and the kid's response was god which like i mean like it just fucking broke my heart yeah the one thing that they just want is for somebody to just like help them yeah and all of them are just begging for the existence of a god to help them because they think that no human can so in that's sad yeah. Um, so in uh, 1977, there was a court case, Holderman versus Penhurst State School and Hospital. Multiple allegations of abuse came out. They were talking about unsanitary and inhumane conditions, violations of the 14th Amendment, uh, as well as the 8th Amendment. Defendants sustained over 40 injuries, including cracked teeth, fractured fingers, and broken jaws. And that was both at the hands of um, administration and staff, as well as patients. So it went through this whole fucking court case, and eventually they were told that they were unconstitutionally run, and that they had to be shut down after nine employees were indicted on charges from minor to severe assault. 
as well as a couple patients. Um, so they closed their doors in 1987 and then went through this whole process of land trust and trying to figure out where the property was going. And then in 2010, Pennhurst Haunted Asylum opened. They believe they're protecting the historical and paranormal value of the location. Damn, it's been 10 um, years since they opened. 10 years, man. It's weird. It's weird just thinking also 2010 is like... 10 years ago. Well, I remember when all my fucking friends from high school would go there just to be assholes. Like, yeah, yeah. they'd be like, eh, we just like went in there and spray painted all this shit. And, you know, it was like a, a hot spot for graffiti and teenage delinquency. And, you know. So, you guys want to hear about some spoopy shit that yeah. happened? Yeah. Um, so, some hauntings. I mean, there were a couple, like, you know, I saw a lady in an old style nurse uniform or like a bunch of EVPs, which are electronic voice phenomena. Um, bunch of weird noises heard, a whole bunch of stuff like that. Uh, weird, like half co- corroborated, uh, I was there alone type shit. Then, but in a couple buildings, the Quaker and the Mayflower building specifically, and the Philadelphia tunnels, there's a fuck ton of activity. So in the Quaker building, the Quaker building was known to house the most difficult patient and s- patients and said to have the worst energy of all the buildings. Uh, there is a small, long, black-haired person with dangling arms and the ability to move doors and rock chairs. So, like, they were pretty damn strong. Uh, they shoved investigators to the side and they, like, saw the... It, this this part was filmed and it, you could see, like, the marks and stuff. And then there was this guy, Skippy. Wait, hold up, hold up. They shoved somebody aside and with what? And they, had, they ended up having, like, marks oh, and shit okay. on them. Like, there was, like, proof that they got shoved aside. But yeah, so there were a fuck ton of EVPs that indicated that there was a person, Skippy, who lived there, which straight up reminds me of Freddy Krueger. He was a maintenance worker who lived in the basement and hated women. But this also is the description of a person named Mr. King, who they found in the Mayflower building. But Skippy, you know, he's bit, hit, and scratched, specifically women, even in groups of up to 20 people. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Skippy's a dude. He lives in the Quaker building. There's a lot of stuff that Sounds goes down like there. Dickhead. But I found so much more on the Mayflower building, which is where they kept the children. The babies. It's also where the haunted house is staged. Uh, so there were a report of music boxes that played on the third floor. Somebody would go up there. All of a sudden, the music box starts playing in the basement. It's a three-floored building with a basement. Mm. Um, there were closet-sized bedrooms on the top floor for high-functioning patients, which is where the the music boxes started. So that indicates that they were given some sort of uh, stimuli while they were there because they were a little bit more high-functioning. It They would throw people's voices. So there have been reports of people using other people in their teams or hearing people, other people in their team's voices like down the hall when the person is like in a completely different part mm-hmm. of the building. It's a lot of like, oh, I felt like we were walking through cobwebs and we weren't. And then heavy feelings, like walking into a room and feeling like all of a sudden you're walking through jello, which like kind of indicates ionization of particles, mm-hmm. which is just like when it gets charged after not being charged. I'm just picturing walking through jello. That's why I said, ew, because what? Yeah, I mean, it's better than being in someone's mouth. Ew, dude. <laughs> Wait, I, I said that a lot in the summertime. I was like, I feel like I'm walking into somebody's mouth. Um, yeah it was gross and it made me feel really weird (laughs) Uh, so then there's the basement the basement has a fuck ton of activity Um, as basements do the basement is where Candyland is which is I mean those pictures are horrifying I told you Um, 
Yeah, uh, I'm going to lightly touch on the hauntings of Penhurst just because I know... Go into Candleland, man. You, like, found that. Um, so, there's a documentary. I honestly don't remember what original, like, channel it aired on just because I don't have cable. But they... You can find it on, on Amazon Prime. Not that I like Amazon. But, yeah, fuck um, Amazon. Stop buying off Amazon. I don't uh, care how easy it is. No. Uh, but it was it was three dollars and it was for research. Not uh, you, everyone. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying like I try and avoid it, but that's it, I only gave him three dollars anyway. Um, and it's for life. I can I can own it. Um, but it it actually was filmed in in 2019. Um, a handful of investigators that don't know each other and they all have different like strong suits and weaknesses and whatever. Like one dude's like all about debunking scientists, blah, blah, blah. There's a girl that he continues to make fun of because she's like believes in crystals, whatever. But they're there for two whole weeks living there. Uh, it's the longest uh, haunting exploration that is dated. But anyway, um, Candyland was an interesting part of that documentary because... They all go down there, and it's very creepy. It's supposed to look like Candyland, but it, it, it's the Candyland from a horror horrors. Yeah, uh, it, there was pictures. Maybe it's Google. because it was like decaying, but like no, no. I think it was always kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, they they go down there. They have like their cameras knocked over where no one's near them. Um, a guy feels like he's touched, and he's actually the science student. He like flips the fuck out about it. He actually like, yells at Crystal Chick, like, you fucking touch me? And he's like, no, that didn't happen. And they're all just sitting, like, kind of meditating. So it's not like they're walking around, and he's just being paranoid. Um, and there's, like, an indentation, whatever. Um, but then there's this other guy who, like, he continues to say throughout the documentary that he's trying to, like, open himself up and be he's like more emotionally available he thinks that'll help him with his intuitive abilities and he starts to have like this weird reaction where he feels like there's a child sitting on his back with its arms wrapped around like his shoulders uh and he's like freaking out and while this is happening the other girl who's across from him is recording like the change in the temperatures um and he starts really having a hard time starts really freaking out they're like, do you need a second? And they wind up calling an ambulance because he's like practically passing out and like yeah. struggling breathing. And when the EMTs get there, they're like, you were about to have a seizure. Holy fuck. Yeah. Like that's how bad it was. Uh, he puked, um, which is a common occurrence apparently in Candyland. Like people get very lightheaded, feel like they're going to throw up. Um, I don't think that there's any reason for that to happen. Like there's no gas or anything like that down there that I know of. Maybe black mold. Uh, I don't know. That wasn't really. Black mold will do that. But um, he he was the only one experiencing it. And it while also just saying he felt like there was something on on him. Like and f- specifically he felt like a child was holding on to him so that was definitely uh one of the weirder things that happened recently were they the ones who did the ball experiment uh because i was gonna say that might be because i i I also didn't mention this and i feel like we should mention this i got a lot of these sightings and hauntings from ripley's believe it or not paranormal investigations of milwaukee and this blog called the evil mommy uh, the ball experiment thing was those BuzzFeed guys. Yeah, so they... <sighs> they're awful. Yeah. They're terrible. Oh my god, they're so corny. I actually have in my notes, nothing really happened to these guys because even the ghosts were annoyed. Yeah, like, yeah. dude, I'm sorry. I couldn't stop laughing. They're they like, you don't the even corniest, deserve to be haunted. They were suck. the corniest, dumbest dudes I have ever seen in my entire life. <sighs> and if you're one of our only few listeners, those BuzzFeed dudes... 
I'm really not even sorry. Yeah. You get paid to do that. <sighs> anyway. I mean, I'm kind of sorry. It would suck to live your life like that and not know it. No way, dude. I'm they sure get they... paid to do it. God I'm sure it, they're told right. all the time, too, that they're terrible. Anyway, <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that's definitely weird um, that stuff happened there. And like you said, the Mayflower and the Quaker building are like the... The most haunted. I also have the janitor in my notes, but when I watched uh, a video, the guy who worked there for years didn't even want to mention him by name. He said he had his own like issues with the guy and knew him while he was alive. And he's like, I don't even respectfully so want, want to call him by name. Yeah. So I don't know which one uh, yeah, he was referring I think to. That's he, the one in the Mayflower building whose name is said to be Mr. King. I don't know because I. Th- no, I think mine mine's this Quaker building in in the basement oh. negative towards women. So I think that's that. But a- anyway, um the Devon building, there's um a lot of slamming, shadows, nausea, footsteps. Uh, I do recommend watching that documentary. It's only like an hour long, but it's the the most recent and the longest exploration. What's the name also, of the documentary again? Uh I want to say it's like the it's something like the longest haunting uh, honestly I'm not entirely sure but if, if you, you google penhurst two week long investigation penhurst 2019 it's coming right up um okay. also in the um Devon building there was a lot of really weird interference with devices that they were using yeah where the K2 meter would like light up and then the REM meter would shut mm-hmm. down and it would go back and forth. Well, that's so that, you could never get proper reading. The one thing that was cool about that documentary, also they had something called a REM pod, which I'll be honest, I didn't do too much research on. I know it has something to do with temperatures and and stuff like that, but um, it kept going off throughout the Mayflower building, like all over the place. Like you're saying, you'd leave a room and you'd hear it upstairs, beep beep, and the light goes off and they said to make it more accurate, they put this cage around it. And even the guy who's like big into science was like, I cannot come up for an explanation. It's very hard to throw that off with this other device on top of it. Right. That's all I really have on Penhurst because I knew you really dove into that. Um, so just to double back to Candyland real quick before we move on, I do want to say that there was an echo box that was recorded by Paranormal Investig... Who was it? Yeah, Paranormal Investigations of Milwaukee. No, I'm sorry. It was in- it was recorded by Ripley's Believe It or Not. Um, they had an echo box that recorded something singing along to Pop Goes the Weasel. Oh my god, which I hate that. It fucking freaks me out and if you like you've seen pictures of this room why you gotta go so creepy with it you couldn't play like walking on sunshine because <laughs> if something sang along you to that i'd be like with some like meatloaf or something Come yeah on. dude fucking love me some meatloaf yeah you you had to make it let's make this fucking horrifying just the creepiest fucking song we could think of um so right down the hall from candyland was mr king's classroom I had a really hard time figuring out who the fuck Mr. King was, whether or not he was a teacher or a staff member aside from that. But they kept recur- for recur- referring <laughs> to this room as his classroom. It's in the basement of the Mayflower building down the hall from Candyland. Um, it's popular among people who frequent Penhurst because of its high strangeness. There's a lot of activities that goes on in there. Again, he's given this... He was a maintenance worker from the 40s or 50s who lived in the boiler room. But, like, 
I don't know. It just seems too similar. I feel like some facts had to have gotten like mixed up. Yeah. But um, we do know that he wasn't nice to patients and he wasn't well himself and he smoked cigars. So he's known to show himself in shadow figures and will touch you. He fucking hates women. If you're a woman, like he will like do like try to beat you up. Um, Even skeezy after death. Yeah, like, like really you, bad. You commit it. So a lot of people are said to leave cigarettes and cigars as offerings to him, and a lot of people will go down there and smoke, which I think is kind of fucking cool because if you think about the way that we've detected ghosts in the past, specifically like movements from across the rooms and different like changes in temperatures and like how the air around you interacts, the idea of something being able to cast itself in a shadow of smoke yeah, yeah. is a really cool way to do it like you're offering something to them and then they can utilize it as a way to show themselves uh weirdly enough i don't know if this is going to be too much of a sidestep but when my uncle passed away he was a big smoker my cousin was smoking a cigarette and took a picture of her cigarette smoke i don't understand why she just did and there was faces in it of his face it looks just fucking like him that's fucking creepy as shit that's not a sidestep that's perfect yeah um (laughs) yeah so he's been known oh i'm sorry his other trigger objects which are also my trigger objects are matches Aaron. yeah matches cards and whiskey (laughs) like playing cards see i pictured like valentine's day cards for a minute i don't know my friend my friend Lindsay pops going out to you uh she she gives me really nice cards that could probably so be could used to summon me regular yeah. cards yeah okay yeah. um i like pokemon so there's cards. also been crazy me vocalizations too. um people have heard the word repeatedly leave run or um threats of being choked which usually end up with people feeling as though they're being strangled uh a lot of these words were picked up using different techniques and different devices but the one thing that was weird was on a spirit box, which... Which, thanks, guys, for not bringing me a yeah, spirit box. Fuck you all. Um, you're not allowed to curse on the radio. I don't know if that's a thing that people know. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not. It's an echo box, which, which takes little bits of different broadcasting systems um, and audiobooks and stuff and, like, places them randomly so that it can be utilized by the spirit to... Uh, communicate you're not allowed to curse on terrestrial radio they were using something that was using terrestrial radio bands um and there was a shitload of cursing so a lot of people think that that was like king expressing itself outside it's very strange but they keep hearing cursing and you're not allowed to curse on the radio so that's like the one thing that never really lined up for people but i mean yeah i mean that's that's about all i have on the hauntings but there is one thing that i do want to touch on that was kind of touched on a little bit is this idea of pagan rituals uh baby witchcraft and satanism Mm -hmm. um there are uh, throughout a lot of these places there is a lot of claims of satanic rituals that happens um kids have come and post shut down to the institutions and done rituals with little to no understanding of the ritual itself or the force that they have summoned the entity is then stuck in penhurst or other places because the rituals were not properly closed um i do think that this may explain some of the hauntings if you do believe in the idea of manifesting a force within a space i think that if there are reactions like this that could definitely exacerbate a lot of it but i do want to say a lot of these ideas of satanic ritual are Mm. not actual satanic ritual yeah and there are people who are not uh trained in the ways of magic whether or not it be dark light chaos whatever it's just kids 
fucking around. Yeah. A really sociopathic kids if they're finding dead animals places. Yeah. Like, it's just kids fucking around. It's not people who are into Satanism. It's not people who are doing, like, little witchcrafts and shit. Like, if you were doing it that way, I'm sorry you're doing it wrong. I am not sorry you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, so I just want to point that out. A lot of that imagery is th- just there for shock value, and it's it doesn't align with the ideas. Totally, of there's a what there's a ton of graffiti. Yeah, so yeah. that's my stuff on Penhurst. Uh, I totally lied, you guys. I do have like a couple more quick quips uh, about Penhurst, and then I'm done with that. Um, <laughs> anyway. So there's a girl named Tamara Harris who used to work at Penhurst. Uh, I have not gotten a chance to buy her book yet or honestly look up the name of it. It was just uh, her name was dropped in one of the documentaries I watched. But she used to work there and she wrote a book about the haunting. So that's something to look for if you want more information on Penhurst. You said her name was Tamara Harris? Correct. Um, They... Also, in the 2019 uh, documentary I was watching, they used a spirit box as well. And uh, there was a guy that used to work at Penhurst that's in the documentary. His name's Jim. He was an actual, like, good physician there in, like, the later years. So, in the spirit box, they keep saying Jim. And, like, they even have, like, sound-canceling headphones on the guy that's saying the answers out loud. And he kept saying Jim, and they're like, well, how do you feel about Jim? And they kept saying friend, friend. So that was uh, something that stuck out to me. It wasn't just like a random quip. It was just, hey, this one guy actually cared about us, and we like him, and we know he's with you. Well, so that's one of the things that happened a lot in Penhurst, was there were a lot of people who were volunteers and very young people who were there to try to help people. Yeah. And because there weren't enough people like that it's penhurst was a little bit different than viber yes there was abuse yes it was fucking intense but there were a lot of people who were there that that remained there for their specific patients Mm -hmm. it was just the problem that you're changing the diaper of this person and there's a hundred people who have already shit themselves that now need attention and you can't get to them by the end of your shift so like it's it's kind of cute that they had like that little that they wanted to communicate and say thank you like hey thank you you're the you're someone that tried Um, very last thing on Penhurst this time I promise (laughs) it's just that they kind of lied about putting people back into society correctly big shock that they sugarcoated something that they thought would make everyone look bad they literally said. On their website at every historical um, preservation place will say that they had a 100% success rate for reintegration into society. Which, if you really think about how overpopulated these places were and how they just literally left these people to rot there and ignored them until they were called out for it. Sure, they totally found thousands and thousands of people dream homes because there's, you know, they keep doing that for the homeless people in Philadelphia right now. They yeah. actually created so a much program sarcasm. and took a lot of money from the government to create things like communal living spaces mm-hmm. at the time of their release. Right. Or the shutdown. Well, anyway, th- so you, you know how like Penhurst had a lot of like actual children there. Think about... If they had lived there for 50 years, they they grew up in, in this environment, they were injected, they were abused, and then one day, the place closes down, and they're just released, and they're like, hey, bye, 
and they wander around. They have nowhere to go. Their family never reclaimed them. And so the only thing that they know is Penhurst. So they walked back and they squatted there. The, the yeah. amount of people who squatted there for elongated periods of time, even some with supervision, yeah, was insane. There were people who would go back to care for people after the shutdown. Yeah. There was staff that remained just to take care of people who were like, we have nowhere to go, which is something that you see in any high stress situation where there's such structure and then you are released. It happens over and over again in the same type of pattern. And I have goosebumps. Totally. Thinking about that. Because, I mean, you're right. The oldest person that was there was 70 years old. Right slightly lighter note this is the lightness is not going to last but there was an activist for the the mentally ill she created the first generations of asylums in the u.s Um, what's her name dorothea dix say it louder Uh, dorothea dix that's it um she is from maine which aaron is not as we discovered in episode zero and i discovered in episode zero (laughs) also boston (laughs) is not in maine no, I know. I thought for some reason, I don't know. Oh, my you notes just meant like New England. Yeah, my my <laughs> my notes are just yeah. Anyway, she created the first generations of asylums in the United States during the Civil War. She uh she served as a superintendent of the Army of I almost said Army of Nurses. Uh, cool. <laughs> no, sorry. A bunch uh, of nurses just strapped. There's like com- that's what I want. There's yeah, a yeah. comma that should be there, and it's not. But for Army, like military nurses and whatever. Um, her parents were alcoholics. She suffered through depression. Uh, she was a teacher at one point. She was forced to quit because of her mental health. She went to England first for mental health because she knew that the U.S. was not accepting of it and wouldn't know what to do with it. And then she went later went over to Turkey where she got the idea for the structure of the asylums. It's referred to as the Kirkman style. It's having them in a line with all the tunnels, as you'll see throughout a lot of these places um, and definitely everywhere in Pennsylvania that I've read of. Yeah, every every place that we researched has multiple buildings with tunnels that connect them. Right. It's for mainly transferring patients, like if it's shitty weather or whatever, and it just connects all of them. But she, she opened the uh, asylums in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and North Carolina and Illinois. She originally really wanted to make a paradise for the mentally ill. She she had this in mind. She cared. However, you know, it got lost in translation later, to, to say the least. So the one I wanted to talk about first that's like a little bit lighter uh, is the Harrisburg State Hospital. It was also known as Pennsylvania State Lunatic Hospital. A shitty name, but one of the less shitty places. Uh, also one of the less shitty names which kind of sucks yeah well it's like up front like all the other ones like tried to hide it yeah they were like oh we're not gonna say lunatic yeah we're gonna say actually we're not gonna use the fucking r word we're gonna be like they're feeble-minded like what is that yeah right well uh so neoliberalism before it existed this one in Harrisburg, when, and its name changed back and forth throughout time. They actually realized like that was kind of a fucked up name. And they just wound up calling it Harrisburg State Hospital. But it opened in 1851, and it actually lasted till 2006. Uh, it was like a minute ago. I know, no. dude. Blink, like. But um, its original occupancy was only supposed to be 250 people. They had built a, a farm there, so if you were of enough sound mind that you could 
grow your own crops and provide for yourself and also help since, you know, like these places weren't properly funded. Uh, they built them a power plant, which we know power plants bad for environment, but they did not know that then. Um, it's just cool to know that they were like self-sustaining. Yeah, that yeah, was they were that was her to create whole a communal yeah. space. Original idea was she wanted to make like a paradise for people and basically being like, yeah, you can't work in like or live in a normal society, but I'll create a society for you. They actually eventually built shops here too for them. It I was- did want to say that they did the weird same thing in Penhurst. Mm-hmm. Penhurst had its own monetary system. Penhurst right. has, had its own like internal economic system yeah that was likely based off of what dorothea dix was envisioning right and again like to say the least i think these things got lost in translation and things took a hard left um it was nicknamed the city on the hill it was not known for abuse like you said earlier instead of just the one single room where people would come to visit a lot of times relatives or or just people who were concerned about just hearing about how people were treated in other places they would go here and kind of look around and there was no issues patients never complained although there are a lot of um, reported violent poltergeists here and stuff the only things that i could think could have created them were possibly in the tunnels there are all these weird rooms that no one knows what they're used for they're used for storage now but maybe they did have experiments there that they super hit up the only other thing i can think of for the poltergeist is uh they moved a couple of the graveyards and they misplaced bodies like there's ones that they're just not accounted for they have three cemeteries and they moved them at one point for construction because i'll get into it but they really expanded this place and made it humongous so mm. the just the disturbances of the graves um could could be a reason when did the poltergeists show up after the fact do you think uh i honestly i don't have it in my notes and i don't want to say anything that's not accurate that's fair um Speculate. Go. Mainly just because like poltergeists can also come up from people fucking around with shit that they don't know. Totally. Yeah. Especially since poltergeists are generally like a built thing. Mm -hmm. Like poltergeists start off very, very poltergeists are like (laughs) there's this weird elemental aspect to it where there becomes like uh, um, uh, the ghost or presence realizes itself as a presence and then can feed off of how you it can get you to react. Totally. Um, so poltergeists generally start off very, very weak and gain strength through self-realization and repetitive acts of traumatizing a person. Totally. Okay. Because trauma, sadness, and madness are like the most intense energies that you can suck off of. But it's it's now worth like five million dollars it's uh, i hate this phrase because i think it's a terrible idea but it's it's said to be the next hot development site i literally have Wait. bad idea with arrow pointed next to it right now it's currently used as office space but and it's it is a new hot development site i hate what, that uh, yeah but back to the history of it again it started out just enough to hold 250 people and it, and it grew and it grew and it, it to over 70 buildings they eventually housed over 2000 patients pushing 3000 when like another war hit they started to lose staff the ratios were basically one nurse to 166 patients so that's kind of the last thing i have on harrisburg which is again the lighter one but this one also started by dorothea in it's in pittsburgh i have written at the top bad 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 Uh, um, (laughs) it's called dixmont state hospital department of the insane western pennsylvania hospital of pittsburgh uh it opened in 1862 and it closed in 1984 
a lot of people that were in trench warfare with PTSD wound up working there. And that's also like you guys were saying earlier, how like a lot of abuse happened. It was at the point where the max capacity was three times what it was originally supposed to be because it was during the time of the Great Depression and they lost that much funding. Uh, staff eventually ha- was not paid at all and they were strictly volunteers um, and they went bankrupt uh, after World War II. Uh, the state bought it and Walter Freeman, who claims he created the cure with an ice pick to the brain, a.k.a. the <sighs> lobotomy, and he did it with no consent. Electroshock was used there and Thorazine, as you guys, I'm not totally not saying that right, um, yeah, but was used there as well. When it was closed, there were 300 people that were remaining and they were supposedly transferred somewhere else. This is the craziest thing to me. In 2005, they sold their building to Walmart Supercenter. They demolished the buildings. And eventually, when they were getting ready to to finally build on this land, there was a massive landslide. And that's just not common in Pennsylvania. So a lot of people feel like it was uh, a manifestation of spirits just being like, you're absolutely fucking not America. You are not putting a Walmart. You're gonna put a Walmart on top like, of me? Yeah, you like, kidding what me? What you doing? So over here? they um they backed out of the deal, and right now, currently, uh, because they knocked all the buildings down, it's just this area that's enclosed by a fence with barbed wire and the cemeteries. People say some like ooky spooky stuff happens there, but I mean, there's really no access to it. And that's that's all I got on these other states. Uh, there's another one that's called Brownsville, but I didn't really dive into that one. There's not a lot of information on it, but it just seems that all of these places not only were structured physically the same way, but a lot of them went down the same path of no money, no understanding, no training. And these People were just putting these places to be forgotten about and neglected. And, you know, again, how we started this episode, we we would like to think just because we close these places down that we've really grown and things have gotten better. But again, that's just a sugarcoating. We we have homeless people. We have mentally ill people. There's some things that we understand better than we did then. But yeah, but not even a lot. But it's still like it's more so just like, oh, you have this problem and it's not we're not going to do anything for you you just have this problem yeah there's we a do name things for like it. and this is a, a bit of an attack we do things like change the language we start referring to people as people first and saying things like people experiencing homelessness and or people without housing uh but we don't provide people fucking housing Mm-mm. we don't provide people with like any of the services that they need to get themselves back onto their feet and really like you know, attempt to live a life that is in a little bit of comfort or something. And it's just beyond heartbreaking. And I don't don't know if it's just a personal, like, I I, I force myself to see it a lot. Also, and I think I can speak for all of us, we all have really good friends that struggled with addiction hard, and some of them recovered and some of them died. And just the way that people kind of refer to a lot of homeless people in a derogatory manner where it's like, they automatically assume that they're drug drug addict, and even if they are, they just don't have sympathy for how stuck they don't. They've never been in that position. They've don't. They've never really witnessed it. I'm gonna stand on a pedestal right now, off of what you just said, and uh, say if you take videos of addicts actively nodding out on a street corner and post it on the internet as though it's a funny thing, you are a bad person. Yep. Sorry. Shout out to, to my best friend in the world. He is 
clean now. He is someone that struggled for addiction for probably the longest amount of time I've ever heard of uh, and, and surviving it. And he was homeless. And I just I personally have a sad connection to this. That I, I just think that people automatically assume that these people are all the same and that they deserve this. Yeah, so to bring it back, there was a bunch of stuff that I wanted to do on different types of ghosts, ghostly apparitions and hauntings and different types of recording devices and what science lends to ghost hunting and our ability to capture or not capture an understanding of ghosts. You can go to our Patreon and I will record that sometime. Cool. Signing out, B-Man of the Bat Variety. You can find us on Spotify. Area215 is also the name of our Instagram. Follow us on there. Send us messages if you want to uh, talk to us. You can email us at area215pod at gmail.com. Check out our Patreon because we're putting a bunch of shit on there. Yeah, I mean, we may, yeah. I might make a little thing to put on Instagram about ghosty stuff, but we'll figure that out. Don't mean to promise you things that won't come. Our next episode is going to be pretty fun. So excited. it's definitely not going to be as heavy as this is. Okay. And we um, got two drinks for that one so we can double fist and drown the sadness of this one. I'm Sam Money Moss. I already said my name. <laughs> and I'm Aaron, the two-inch punisher. I guess that's it, right? See, see you guys at another dimension. Yeah, ghouls no tools. Obviously, Thomas, motherfucker.